Hey everyone, I'm Fredo. And I'm Benji. And this is Apes on Tape Podcast. Welcome. Hello there, ladies and all gentlemen. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. Yeah, we hope this podcast finds you well. What are you grateful for today? Um, for me. Mm. Well, and the audience. Hopefully you can think of something to be grateful for also. But yeah, I was directed at you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty grateful for uh, the situation as it stands at the moment. Um, I'm pretty grateful, grateful for my, my life. Things seem to be unfolding rather well. It's really nice to uh, live here. It's great to have moved in with you. It was uh, was definitely off the cuff, and but it's uh, so far we haven't killed one another, and, yeah. um, and we're having a pretty good time. So uh, I'm I'm glad that things have unfolded this way, sort of unexpectedly, but very serendipitously. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Like, I mean, yeah. Because the last podcast, we were like, oh, Benji's moved in. How cool is it? And mm. now we're like, what, one week in? We're like, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I really like it, man. And I'm really glad that you like it as well. I like yeah. that we're sort of like in sync with like, you know, the morning routine and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's nice cool. to have a, like the, a similar morning routine. Both of us are up nice and early and, you know, getting done what we need to get done. And it's just a, a, a oh, I don't know, it's a great way to start the day, isn't it? Is. it? It's bloody cool. good. And this is a, and we're recording in the morning as well, because I think we both woke up feeling pretty zazzy, didn't we? Got yeah. a buzz on and, uh, and and ready to rock and roll. So yeah, half have a nine chat. on a Tuesday morning, so we do apologise for the tardiness. Mm, we are a bit late, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. That's quite right. Uh, anyway, what are you grateful for? What am I grateful for? Well, I'm really grateful for this morning and my morning routine, because I've been... Well, I'm just going to go out there and say it. I've been a little bit... I've been a, had a bit of sad boy lately. I've mm. been uh, a bit down. And in complete contrast to last week's episode, when I was like, oh, yeah, I'm the wheelchair guy. I'm going to bloody own it. Mm. I even made a YouTube video, which got like a pretty great response. People were like, yeah, man, you bloody go for it. I even changed my name on YouTube to Fredo Smith, the wheelchair guy. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's great. But then... You know what? It's not always great being the wheelchair guy. Why there not? are well because when people see you in a wheelchair, that's the tip of the iceberg. You know, that's mm. the starter. You mm. know, we haven't even got to the main course yet. Mm. The main course is basically the secondary complications of a spinal cord injury, which can include um, nerve pain, spasticity, you know, catheters, finger in the bum. Mm. That was just for fun. But. Yeah, yeah. That can be a good thing too. <laughs> hey, depending on what you like to put in your bottle. <laughs> Send us at Apes on Tape. What do you like to put in your bottle? <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, just the you know the secondary complications. Don't send us that. <laughs> no, please do. Please do. I'm a plethora of different X-rays of you know toy cars, dildos, and tennis balls. Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, hey, cool. No judgment here, mate. No judgment, yeah. but, you know, it will be entertaining. It will be amazing. We'll, you know, keep you, uh, what's the word? Updated. Uh, no, anonymous. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We won't be like, hey. You could put it on the Instagram, though. No, let's keep it anonymous. Oh, come on. Oh, if you're going to send stuff about, like, what you like to put yeah, in Yeah, you don't have to put, like, you know, their name. But you can just oh. put, like, <laughs> just put, like, a, like, like, if people send you an x-ray of, like, what they got caught up their bum. No, just just tail, just anecdotes. Just well, once I put this in my bottom, and... I've once put a tail up my bum. A tail? No, 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 that was a joke. Okay, yeah, that. Anyway, the tail. Uh, so the secondary complications of a spinal cord injury can be depressing. And the other night, I found myself 
saying stuff like, you know, fuck being the wheelchair guy, this sucks, I hate it, like, mm. I can't believe I was, you know, loving it, this is rubbish, like mm. my spasms, I mean, you saw my spasms the other morning and it was quite shocking, like, what did you think? Yeah, well I think, uh, uh, like I've, I've seen and heard you talk about your spasms quite a lot and I've seen them occasionally uh, and, uh, and like when I piggyback you upstairs and your legs go really rigid and stuff, it's uh, it's an interesting situation because, like you say, when you see someone like wheel past on a wheelchair, you're like, oh, their legs don't work. Yeah. Uh, and and that's pretty much as far as it goes, really, unless you have like a, a personal reason to to know or or be curious about more than that. And there is there is so much more, and it's so weird. And obviously, I was like, you were in a bit of a in a bit of a bad mood for whatever reason that morning and yeah. I mean I mean the, the spasticity looked like a damn good reason to me to be in a in a bad mood I was like well that looks that looks awful mm. and it is funny like you say to to observe someone in a wheelchair and and just see see the iceberg but actually you know 90% of what's like hard the hardships they're going through is is unseen and un, and not understood and that's why I think that your youtube channel is actually really helpful because I don't know how everyone else feels but I have a, a genuine interest like a, a real curiosity is like oh that's that's what happens that's mm. like it's just it's it's good to it's good to increase your empathy and understand yeah. what people are going through and not just be like oh you, you can't move his legs that that's got to suck well actually yeah it, it yeah. sucks for a lot more reasons than that yeah it was actually really nice we had a lovely chat last night actually I opened up to you about like quite a lot of the secondary complications and you helped stretch mm. my legs mm. which was real man I, I was so grateful for that like oh, yeah, yeah cool. because like you were like you know can I do something to help and I was like well yeah you know Lou sometimes stretches my legs and you're like well let me help and mm. I was like okay and then while you know we were stretching the legs um, you you know we had, we had a great conversation didn't we and yeah, you learned yeah. a lot about things that you know, some things that you would expect to know about someone that you live with, especially, you know, like mm. the, the friendship that we have. And you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, right, yeah. really? Mm. And you're like, you're like, you're seeing the tension in my legs. And when I talk about spasticity, it's not just the odd spasm. Mm. It's the constant muscle tension. Like mm. when I'm sat down, you can't notice it, but it's like my legs are gripping the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. And then when you were, when you were you know, stretching, like, oh, wow, yeah, fuck, like that looks... They were so tense. It was crazy. I mean, the, the benefit of it obviously is that it keeps like some some muscle retention for you yeah. um because then we were sitting like you know with uh my legs poking outwards stretching your legs, legs and I was akimbo like, facing <laughs> each other <laughs> and i was thinking wow this spasticity is doing a lot for his muscles because he hasn't used his legs in over two years and they're still bigger than mine <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it did look and feel like a really like arduous and, and, and painful process. And it's funny to think that because obviously when you understand that someone can't use their legs, they can't feel their legs, but then like your legs like go rigid and tense up and obviously you go through quite a lot of pain because you're like, ah! <laughs> just like look, yeah. like you're, you look like you're being hit with a cattle prod. Yeah, um, that's what it feels like. And yeah, it's uh, it's strange to, strange to understand that, that it's not just, you know, just limp flaccid legs hanging out in a chair like they they could do anything or yeah you know kick me in the shin or the or the hernia yeah yes yeah, exactly at any time and you could see like after the stretching how much re more relaxed they were and how enormously beneficial that was yeah it was yeah. it was really really rewarding actually having spoken recently about how i need to you know not be concerned so much with you know 
how I make other people feel. I was like, well, I do like doing that because yesterday I haven't been, you know, I enjoyed it so much that it was so effectual for you and yeah. that it made such a difference. And I was like, this is a great feeling. I guess, you know, you've got to find a balance between like, you know, just doing doing exactly what you want to do. Mm. But that didn't cost me anything yesterday. It was nice to just sit down with you and like, you know, I found a pretty, you know, taxing free way of, of stretching your legs out and we just sat and had a chat but it made yeah. made you feel great and it made me feel you know yeah. even better yeah, it was really good man and like I say I really appreciate it I, it was very very cool but uh, yeah so I want to go back to the fact like what what is the cause of leg spasms and it can be a lot of things but I was pretty stressed out about a few things I was a little bit upset about a few things and <laughs> like so my mood was low and then the spasms like start to kick up and then obviously mm. It's like a feedback loop. It's like, oh god, oh this, you know, spasms, and then pain, and then you mm. feel worse, and then because you feel worse, you feel more stressed, and you know, it's just this horrible feedback loop of like more spasms, mm. like more, more stress, more, more pain, stress, more, more stress. pain, more sadness, more like, mm. oh god, mm. and um, and then the other thing which really upset me uh, was that my bike broke, mm. and for those of you that have seen any of my YouTube videos or you know heard me talk about it, my the bike thing that fits on on the front of my wheelchair is enormously beneficial for me. It gives me so much freedom on sunny days. I bloody love it. It's almost essential, really, for walking Luna. Mm. I love getting out in the direction and boosting around on it. And it wasn't just, not you know, sometimes like something will snap or a cable will break and it's some, something mechanical that can be fixed. But this time it seemed a little bit more sinister. It was an electrical fault. There was a smell of burning. All the electrics turned off. And, and I was like, oh, God, this is this doesn't look good mm. and it just got me down because i that was another thing i was like right well my spasms are kicking up uh i just need to get out in the sunshine and get out on the bike as long as i exercise and get you know fresh air it's really good for my physical health it's good for my mental health and it will calm my spasms down mm. but then of course it broke down and the one thing i am grateful for is that it broke down in the driveway because that would have just sucked if it had broken down yeah you know in the road for example mm. or anywhere yeah, out in the you know, Anywhere but the driveway. Anywhere but the yeah. driveway, yeah. yeah. So I was really happy about that. But obviously really sat. And then I was like, oh, fucking my bike's broke. Like, that sucks. And then obviously that, again, was another feedback loop for more spasms. And then I tried using the bike thing, which pedals my legs for me, which sometimes calms it down. But then that's when you came in and you were like, fucking hell, because they were like... Yeah, yeah it was it was crazy. Like yeah. you were being powered by electronics. So yeah, I just wanted to highlight the fact, uh, basically just to summarise that I'm really grateful that I feel good today, I'm grateful that I got up early, I'm grateful that I did my morning routine, which consists of meditation, journaling, exercise, had a shower, you know, all those things that mm. like, you know, it's half nine in the morning, and I feel great, mm. like so much better than the last few days. And yeah, I am embracing my new identity as the wheelchair guy, mm. but you have to understand it's mm. not always easy, and it's not just mm. sitting in a wheelchair Mm. There are a lot of secondary complications which make life quite difficult, and yeah. just want to acknowledge the the polarity of of that, you know. Nice, yeah, mm. good. Uh, yeah, so moving on, the other thing we did want to speak about, unless you want anything. No, 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 I haven't got anything else to add in uh, in the in the realm of gratitude, and things cool. are things are pretty good. I did fast yesterday. Oh, you did, and you seem full of energy I today. I love. Fasting, it's yeah. so like I don't, I don't actually love the act, act of yeah, fasting. Yeah. It's oh, it's awful. It's not awful. It's all right. It's it's better than being hangry. When you decide to fast, you can deal with the hanger. But when I'm caught unawares without food, mm. um, a, a few people um, 
Luke McDonald, especially, will testament to the fact that I'm a grumpy bastard when yeah, I'm yeah. caught at the wrong time. But when you fast, it's you've got a handle on it, and it's it's better. And then always, always when I fast, the morning after, like I when I wake up, my eyelids ping open, like bing, mm. always around like, bet- between five and six, just bong, and yeah. I'm ready to roll. And it's just just find it so so helpful. And yeah, it's a, a large part of the reason that I'm full of beans this morning I guess so yeah. I'm pretty grateful for that yeah, we're both full of beans this morning it's great yeah I do uh, intermittent fasting mm. uh, so 16-8 which is uh, 16 hours of not eating mm. and then an 8 hour window of eating which does sound quite extreme to some people but all it really means is just I stop eating at 8 o'clock mm. at night and then I have my first meal at 12 midday mm. and that, that seems to work for me it's like a way of like restricting <clears throat> the calories mm. because I don't uh, move that much mm, yeah um, but yeah anyway um, that's fasting <laughs> for you mm. the other thing we did want to talk about was freedom of speech mm. and I want to get into that because well it was a conversation that sparked from a conversation that you had with your doctor you came back from do- I won't say his name but he uh, yeah Shall I give a little recap of it yeah. just because it was mildly interesting so obviously uh, if you if you've been listening uh, you'll know that I had uh, a hernia operation recently. Um, and the French medical system has been wonderful in in more ways than one, and uh, yeah, it was very interesting actually to to be uh, to be talking to to some doctors that were quite high up. For instance, I, I spoke to the anaesthetist uh, first weeks uh, weeks before the operation, and um, I, w- I won't mention his name. Uh, <laughs> but he was a lovely chap, and. Um, and yeah, during uh, the consultation, he removed his mask and was like very clear, like, oh, don't get me started on on COVID. And yeah. I was like, oh, well, and he was like, well, you can actually, and then went for a little rant. It was very interesting. And then um, the surgeon uh, who, who, who operated on me, um, he saw me for a checkup the other day. And uh, yeah, I, I wandered in uh, with, with Katie. She came with me to, to help with her eloquent French. Although he does speak uh, fluent English, it's just uh, it's just nice to come along. Uh, and yeah, he, he probably poked around at the hernia for a little a little more than three seconds. Was like, yeah, everything's fine. And then we just sat down and had a chat. And uh, it didn't take long before he understood that I was no longer going back to England. And he was like, oh, why is that? And then we we continued to speak about the fact that oh, it was just, it's just you know arduous and not the right decision. And then that was it. That was him off, like, yeah. and he just went on this huge rant, which was really interesting to listen to, and like, it was really, it felt like seeing behind the veil, mm. um, and the way he spoke about COVID and about you know the patriarchy and conglomerates and uh, pharmaceutical companies, and it, it was it was oddly disconcerting, yeah, because you're like from a member of the medical community that's quite high up, yeah, as well, yeah, a surgeon who's like you know very well educated and obviously part of the system. Yeah. He even mentioned um, during it, he was like, "This is, I've had to lie to uh, to give you surgery," and when he wasn't saying it as like a a kudos, like oh yeah, look what I did, he was just like, "How much is this bullshit?" That I have, I had to pretend your hernia was a far more serious situation, in order that I was allowed to operate. Mm. Um, and that's, that's so interesting. That's crazy because yeah. he only had like two days per month of which he was allowed to do surgery, because of COVID. And he was like, what, you know, where is it? What is it? There's, there's not many people in this hospital that's got it. 
And um, yeah, he was uh, he was just banging on about the fact that you know, do you reckon everyone in England has has got the vaccine? Like, do you, you know, do, has have as many people as the media say have got it actually got it? And what's it for? Is it for a, a system of control? Like, and he himself wasn't wasn't keen on having it. Wasn't even keen on having the test. Yeah, he was like, no, I'm not gonna let people put stuff up my nose. And I'm like, you're right. Wow, this is this is talk that I would have heard. I think from someone that I would have thought, uh, you know, a conspiracy theorist or an anti-vaxxer or, yeah, you know, exactly. vaccine hesitant. And he he's, you know, he's a surgeon that's just done a wonderful job cutting me yeah. open and sorting out. And he's like, no, nah, not even t- the test. Yeah. And it was, it wasn't just the surgeon. It was the anaesthetist and obviously probably quite a few of the others mm. as well. And that's why I wanted to get on to, to freedom of speech because we, we came, you came back like sort of regaling this story and I was mm. like whoa wow that's mad because I don't know where I stand and there's mm. just so much information on the internet isn't there it's just like where on earth would you get unbiased information mm. you know it's almost like we're living in a, a post-truth world yeah um, for sure. sort of like you know this just sea of fake news mm. and yeah um, I think uh, another thing that sparked the conversation was the fact that I was very interested to see that the way this this doctor was talking about the whole global situation and and how he was waiting for the people at the top to topple and they will topple. He was saying, you know, if you if you read any history book, you will see that anyone who gets this high, they they have nowhere to go but down. They are going to fall. And he was saying, the people at the top have more power than God at the moment. Like not even God. Yeah. has managed to stop the world turning of which you know the yeah. people at the top during covid have managed to do that and then and then he went on and uh to talk about trump mm. and he actually didn't speak about trump with uh, the same tone that i thought someone of that um that temperament might yeah and he was he was not positive about trump he did uh, he he did precursor the conversation by saying by no means am I a fan of Trump. Please mm. don't think that. But like he was challenging the status quo, and now and they just deplatformed him. Mm. Um, and and at that point, I was like, oh, I, I stopped listening immediately when I was like, oh, he's a Trump fan. Don't listen. <laughs> and then I was like, no, 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 no. Don't be judgmental. You know, yeah. Reabsorb what he's trying to say because you know he has just said a lot of stuff that interests you and you agree with. So just. Just try and listen, and then I did, and he did have some very interesting things to say. But I think where I stayed quiet, and um, and what he was pushing was like well, they just deplatformed Trump, and I was yeah, like, well, well, actually, that's well, what I yeah. wanted to talk about because you came back uh, with the idea of like, yeah, it was a good thing because he was inciting violence or whatever, and mm. and I actually have the opposite point of view, and that's why I wanted to discuss it with you on the podcast because I think deplatforming someone because you don't like their way of thinking is actually a very dangerous road to go down. Like you either have mm. freedom of speech or you don't have freedom of speech. And if you don't have freedom of speech, it doesn't lead to a very good place. It, I think it leads to group think and just people not being able to think for themselves. And if you have a different opinion that isn't, you know, with the status quo, you know, you can make someone disappear. I mean, Trump was in the news every single day for four years, man. Mm. And now when's the last time you heard a peep from him? Mm. It's mad that you can just silence someone like that. Mm. And you had the opposite opinion. We're, we're like, well, yeah, but, you know, he was... Yeah. And it's, it's easy when you're not a fan of the person speaking. Mm. But 
if it sets a precedent for um, to you know just being out being able to silence people, uh, that's that's a dangerous road to go down. Because what if it's one day someone you do agree with? Yeah, obviously that is the other side of the coin, and uh, it's hard for me to imagine that because like it's really difficult to put yourself in those shoes and be like, oh, what if they, you know, silenced Russell Brand? How pissed yeah. off would I be about that? But I think the the question to ask first really is to point at, uh, at at Facebook, at Twitter, and 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 ask them, you know, are they freedom of speech? Is is that what we're entitled to? Like, you know, people are still free to speak. People have a right to say whatever they want, but there's a limit to what you can say. But Facebook is this huge global platform, and is that really freedom of speech, or is it? It's it's a platform that's really a, quite a lot larger than just. Well, it's a really speaking. good question because, like, are you entitled to a social media account? Are you entitled to a public voice? I think these days it's hard because Trump, you know, Twitter was his voice, wasn't it, for so long, mm. and now they've taken that voice away from him. And you know, again, if if you disagree with Trump's politics, then that's like you know, it's easy to swallow, isn't it? Mm. Oh well, yeah, he bloody deserved it, but then. I, I don't know. And like you say, it, what, what my point is that Twitter and Facebook or whatever, those social media platforms aren't regulated um, by like some sort of governing body. Like they're, mm. they're just like, oh, you said something that we don't agree with. Mm. Bye. Mm. And um, yeah, so uh, so I think the interesting thing to think about that is how how long that went on. It wasn't just like Trump did something wrong and they were like, no, you fucking had it. You're off. Yeah. It was like he'd been doing stuff wrong and not wrong, you know, from a from a perspective of, you know, left or right or red or blue, but wrong, bad. Mm-hmm. He'd been doing stuff, inciting violence and, you know, gross misinformation for years. And lots of civil rights people and groups have been calling for his deplatforming for a long time. Yeah. And even on top of that, Facebook and Twitter had been... Um, battling those those requests by saying, "Well, he's the president." Yeah. So yes, he is breaching rules that we laid down when we started. Yes, he he is doing stuff that we would deplatform a regular member of the plot. Pl- uh, reg- <laughs> <laughs> regular member of the public. Yeah, he would be deplatformed de- by now if he was a member of the public. But because he's the president, because of his following, and because of who he is, we're gonna let it fly. So for for years they let it fly, and then eventually when he you know incited that that level of violence and you know caused the those people to march on Capitol Hill and uh, and you know yes they they stormed the building but I I don't know enough about it if, if I'm honest I'm speaking from a place of ignorance I don't know what he said on Twitter that did incite the violence I don't know if people were going to do that anyway like you know and there is a lot of things you know like saying about the the votes were you know, not counted correctly and all that mm. stuff. Like he wasn't going to ever go without a fight. But my point is that, you know, at least when he had a voice, you could analyze it and be like, well, you know, let's, let's analyze what he said. You know, we could fact check it and, and you've just taken away his voice, which I think strengthens his following. Now he's going to go and un- maybe underground mm. on a different platform, which is... He's going to make his own social media platform. Is well, yeah, there's what's one happening. called Parler. Do you know yeah. about that one? I don't know about that yeah, one. Yeah, it's no. like a sort of underground Facebook, mm. but it's very right, like extreme right-wing leaning mm. yeah. uh, platform. And it's, 
it's it gets dark, man. When it's um, yeah, why well, isn't it already dark when you know someone gives a speech, you know Trump or whoever else, and then whether or not the transcript is reread, and you're like, look there, there, that's where he told him to go, and you know get violent. Even if that's not the case, he made a speech and then immediately after, a large group of people went, you know, with the intention of violence and, and caused a lot of damage and injury. Like, whatever... Idiots. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, violent idiots. It's not a good combination to be a violent idiot. And yeah. I, I think, I, under, I understand that it feels bad and it feels a bit 1984 of someone to, you know, not be allowed to say what they want to say, but... Why is it different if someone is, you know, for example, a groomer, a, a, a paedophile, and they're, they're speaking to, you know, individuals on Facebook and they're allowed to say what they're allowed to say. They're taken down because they're doing something wrong. And that's yeah. right, surely. It's not, your, it's not up to you because freedom of speech, you can, you know, approach young males and females with the intention of, you know, sexual abuse. You're absolutely right, man. Uh, it's a grey area. Like I, I, I mean, yeah. Like I said before, you either have freedom of speech or you don't. That's a bit black and white. But yeah, it's a grey area. I, I honestly don't know. But it's 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 good to talk about these things and and spread the ideas and sort of mm. plant seeds in people's minds and be like, you know, where do you draw the line and who should decide where that line is? You know, it's 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 pretty weird, man. Um, mm. For example, there was a guy who was on. Uh, YouTube. He was a doctor. He was. He said, you know, he recommends the vaccine to you know elderly people. You know, he's certainly not an anti-vaxxer. And with this current vaccine, again, I, I don't want to sort of bang on about the vaccine, mm. but it's not uh, the same as like inoculating your children against polio and yeah, you know, yeah typhoid yeah. and rubella and. Measles. Why do you think it's not the same? Uh, because the well. It, well, let's get back to that. Let's put okay. a pin in that. We'll come back to that. Um, but this guy was saying, you know, he's totally not an anti-vaxxer. Uh, but he is, he was saying that there's an argument for having antibodies. And he was like, yeah, you know, if I have antibodies for mm. COVID, then that's as good as a vaccine because the vaccine's just going to give me antibodies. And it was a sound argument. It was very respectful. He said, you know, open to scientific debate. If you've got any other um, comments, you know, we, we can we can open up a discussion. And to be honest... It was one of the most respectful comment section I've ever seen mm. on any social media platform. It was a, it was a YouTube video, and it had like a million views, and I, it sounded really sound. Million, wow. it, it wasn't like a wildly conspiratorial. It was just the, you know, well, if I've got antibodies, why do I need? It was just questions. Yeah, and you know, if you're going to have like a vaccine passport, then surely it should be an antibody passport because mm. you know he he's had the antibodies for eighteen months; they haven't worn off, mm. and. And that video, because I was like, oh, man, you should watch this because it's quite cool. It, and it got removed. Mm. And that, I thought, was really fishy. Because, you know, if it's not, you know, it goes with the narrative and the status quo, mm. then you can be taken down. And that voice, you know, that very sound, reasonable voice. Yeah. Are you allowed, you know, wh when are you not allowed to ask questions? Yeah. So I find that to be far more sinister than than taking Trump down. Yeah. Well, yeah. But it, yes. Yeah, I agree. Mm. But it's kind of like the same kettle of fish. Well, no, it's not because this this doctor was, you know, questioning. He was asking. He was looking for the truth. Where whereas Trump has already already crossed the line. Okay, like so he, well, look, moving past Trump, uh, all right, I will agree. It is it is 
but it's freedom of speech, man. It's mm. like, wh- wh- why can a medical professional who's a, who's a doctor not ask questions? Mm. You know, mm. um, and I just feel that that is. Uh, again like where would you get unbiased information from these days what would you say was a information source that you trusted fully yeah well I don't have one anymore and uh, and that's why I I don't really I don't really watch the news I don't follow the news because it just leaves me feeling fearful and lost and it's just become so polarised that I don't seem to be able to find any source of information that I trust that like that weighs up two sides of the argument. And it, it feels like, unfortunately, I don't want to dwell on the vaccine either, but it feels like COVID sort of brought people together for a brief period of time. It was like, oh, everyone can get COVID. Let's, you know, let's beat this together. Like everyone's in lockdown, you know, clap for the LHS, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then, and then we've, we've come up with this vaccine and, it, and it, I fear that it has immediately wiped out that unity that covid created yeah. briefly and and just just another another point towards polarization and like oh you if you if you don't get the vaccine you're a fucking idiot and if you do get the vaccine you're a fucking idiot like yeah. whereas where i don't feel that it's reasonable to live in a world where we can't understand the truth like it's not available to yeah. us like, why is it not that's possible why, for us to know? That's what I'm saying. It's kind of like living in a post-truth world. Mm. Like, there's like a sea of information. I even wrote a little uh, song about it, actually, uh, if I can remember the lyrics. Uh, searching for truth in a sea of fake news. Mm. Um, opinions are formed from viewing YouTube. <laughs> Reading books, we don't have the attention. Need a faster way to consume information. You want conservation, a conversation in the new era of communication. Mm. I have a thousand friends living in isolation. Welcome to the internet generation. <laughs> well remembered. Nice. Yeah, that was that. a little song I wrote a little while ago, actually. For, uh, but yeah, but that, yeah. those lyrics are quite sort of, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make searching sense. Searching for man. truth in a sea of fake news. Mm. Opinions are formed from viewing YouTube. Mm. But then genuinely like there are people on youtube that speak more truth than the mainstream media i think and like it depends on what source of mainstream media because they're very polarized on depending on which political spectrum you Mm. lean towards and um you often cite that um you find joe rogan to be a pretty balanced view of you know a lot of different issues because he he has i mean he's had thousands of people yeah and thus thousands of conversation you know all of them are at least like two hours yeah. and some of them some of them three and a half and during those conversations he gets to understand you know sometimes decades worth of yeah. worth of research and and you know career yeah. all all condensed into a into a conversation and he gets to make a you know a reasonable decision based on all these different views from left, from right, up, exactly. down. Exactly, and he and I, I was reluctant to bring that up, but I'm glad you did because out of all the information sources that I find most trustworthy and unbiased is from uh, a comedian mm. who smokes weed on his podcast, and he's an MMA commentator, and he is a self-proclaimed fucking moron, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, I. Like you say, he's had thousands of conversations with people from all over the political political spectrum. Mm. Uh, he doesn't. He's willing to change his mind when confronted with new evidence. Mm. He doesn't stand firm on really anything. He just has conversations and asks lots of questions. And I think that that is in this crazy world 
a, you know, a, a source of information that I do trust. Mm. And it's really weird that it's coming from a comedian with a mm. podcast. Well, I guess he's 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 just an interviewer per se, isn't he? Like his views are certainly interesting, but yeah. I guess the diversity of of different guests that he had gives you such a uh, like a, a wide spectrum of information, and yeah, exactly. you know it, you're not you're not leaning one way or the other listening to mm. listening to someone. No, I think it's I think it's honestly really fantastic, uh, great podcast, and that's why he has the most popular podcast in the world. In the world, and it's amazing. But I just think, why, why is it frowned upon to ask questions? For example, I was speaking with my physio uh, recently, and she was saying that she's been fully vaccinated, and she works on people that have been fully vaccinated, yet they both have to wear masks mm. in the same room. And you're like, well, why? Like, we've mm. both been vaccinated. Why are we wearing masks? Mm. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but it's the it dems the rules. Yeah, it does sort of bring up the question as to what's going to be the benefit of having this vaccine if if COVID is still transferable, whether or not you've had the vaccine, you're just immune to it. Then, then really, what's the what? Are, what are we winning here? And you're still still mm. going to wear a mask. And it just seems a bit bleak. Really, it seems like we're all going to be weird mask wearing, glued to phone. Yeah. You know, cyborgs for for the for this. Yeah. Well, you make a really good point, and and I, something I've been reflecting on recently is that I'm very glad to have grown up without the internet. Mm. Um. I remember. Well, I don't know. Can you remember when the internet was first introduced into your life? Yeah, I can remember. I can, I can remember the the dial up. I can. Rem- I was actually really late beep, to the party beep, 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 with beep, um, beep, beep. with MSN Messenger. I can remember that kicking off. MSN I, Messenger. I don't think I was allowed to use it, um, or, or I didn't for some reason. But that was that. That was a big surge, and it was kind of crazy because kids spent all this time at school, um, and then and then they would go home and and continue to continue to talk to their mates. And I guess that was. That was not a good movement for um, for family life because uh, yeah. kids started just being glued to the screen. But I agree with you completely. I can remember, I can remember my first mobile phone mm. in in year nine, and I was maybe a bit behind the trend for for whatever reason. And yeah. I can remember everyone got like picture messages, which was little pictures made up of like brackets and full stops and oh, stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. And my phone didn't do that, um, uh, which was sad. But it did play. Uh, some classical music ringtone, which was pretty cool, <laughs> old bricky Motorola. But and I, you know, and that developed slowly. Like I, obviously, I was like fifteen at the time. You know, mm. I'd done a, a a lot of growing up. I was into adolescence. Um, and you were fifteen, so I was a little bit older when when I was first introduced to the internet. I can't really remember, but uh, you were a little bit older. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe mm. eighteen, nineteen, twenty ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a pager. Oh, really? <laughs> no way. Yeah. Go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had it, and I used to wear it on a on a belt clip. Yeah. And my t-shirt, you know, was like hanging over it, so everyone could see that I had a pager. Oh, that is. I was like, yeah, I don't know, like sixteen. Like, who, yeah. who's gonna pay? Your mum's gonna page you. Yeah. What's that? Because your mum can keep tabs on you. <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah Where's yeah. your pager? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's a, what a bell end? Yeah, it does sound, that does sound like you did look like a bell end with a page hanging off you. <laughs> but my first real sort of memories of the internet was uh, snowboarding forums, which were really cool, like communicating with people. Mm. And uh, I actually had my first sort of instance of 
I guess, were cyberbullying, maybe. But mm. there were a few people on the forum that weren't that nice to me. Yeah. And I, yeah, I found it quite unpleasant. But it, I don't yeah. think, you you know, the cyberbullying that goes on these days is, yeah. is quite a lot harsher. But again, you know, snowboarding forums, like meeting people from the forum in real life. Like, mm. I ended up going to the snow bombing uh, festival. It was mm. actually the snow bombing forum uh, which was great mm. and then i had a myspace and then i was of course yeah i had a bebo did you a bebo i yeah. never had a bebo that was really toxic as well actually i think back to it and it was like on the page you've got so much stuff going on which you're like sort of presenting as your character as your personality and there was a little box to the right like top top friends like how how like infantile like who's your best friend you remember like you know yeah, yeah, in yeah. primary school when you're like best friend number one you yeah. know, Jeremy Russell, best friend number two, Alec Rice. And you're, and you're like, well, they do something wrong. And you're like, well, you're number two now. <laughs> and like, that's what, that was on Bebo. Like, oh, you choose who your like 16 top friends are. Like, it was so mm. judgmental and like, you know, oh, it's just a, just a horrible practice. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was really, I remember being like very Facebook reluctant mm. um, because I was like, oh, Facebook's, you know, I didn't really like it. Um, yeah. And then having this wonderful, complete transformation, be like, bloody Facebook's wonderful. Yeah. Because like when I was traveling and I was in Australia, like the other side of the globe, I was like, man, how cool is Facebook? So I can keep in touch with people that I've met. Like I've got a collection of friends, mm. you know, um, you know, like traveling the world, collecting Pokemon cards. Yeah. Be my Facebook friend. But yeah. it's really cool because I still keep in touch with those people to this day. And there were yeah. people that like donated to my GoFundMe, which I hadn't seen in like, like 10 years yeah. it was, it was aw- awesome really great but um it's so it's a gift and a curse it is a wonderful tool for keeping in touch mm, with people it's but definitely but now, a utility now. It, it, it used to be and now it's more of a sort of vegas slot machine style kind of mm. uh, keep you glued to the platform yeah 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 you know with inflammatory sort of things that you know mm, clickbait mm. twitter is a platform i do not have and i do not use mm. um and I'm sort of glad of it. I'm I'm a bit ignorant to it, but I I mean I th- I feel like that's a terrible place to communicate. I think what you, you have 180 characters and 140, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, I don't know. And then you just type it out and yeah. God, I've never had a Twitter either. Actually, Stephen Fry spoke pretty pretty harshly about Twitter. He was a big fan of it for a long time, and then I can remember he uh, he gave a speech, or it wasn't a speech. It was an in- introduction to an award for a lady, uh, I don't remember her name or what, what she'd done. And he uh, sort of jokingly, lightheartingly, in a very jovial way, introduced her as like an old bag lady because yeah. she, like, she looked a bit scraggy and, you know, she was wearing, you know, old clothes or whatever. But what, uh, and, and the public reacted on Twitter so harshly and they were like, don't call her a bag lady and, you know, all this, all this hate, all this bullying. And Stephen's like, well, you know what, you guys... You guys can shut the fuck up. I'm going to leave because actually, the the reality of the matter was that they were very close friends, mm. and they were able to poke fun at one one another like mm. that, and it wasn't a problem. Like he's, you know, they obviously work in you know a similar similar realm, and he can be like, oh, this old bag lady, whatever, and then bang, there's literally like hundreds of thousands yeah. of people like, oh my god, she's not a bag lady, she's a natural treasure. You're a fucking blah blah blah, and it's like what? Yeah. Everyone is so easy and quick to be aggravated and angry and show their two cents, and you can't like, I'm right, you're wrong, you've got to see it this way, and it's just, mm. it seems. 
it seems like a toxic platform for sure. I yeah. I, I don't use it. I stay away from it. But yeah, like the Twitter army of keyboard warriors, mm. you know, coming after people for for silly things. And I, yeah, I'm glad I don't use the platform. Mm. But the I think yeah, like I say, I'm really glad I didn't grow up with the internet because the people like again re- re- referencing the documentary uh, Childhood 2.0 again. Mm. It just seems like. Growing up with the internet now is so toxic. Like people, you know, you, you, we think we're bad on our phones. Like the kids just glued to their phones. Mm. The people that are not picking up on social cues from like general human interaction mm. um, and oof, porn. <laughs> mm. uh, like when I was young, I remember my, you know, my mate Ben and Stu coming over with a VHS. Mm. And I was like, whoa, crikey, what's that? Fuck, you know. <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever seen porn. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Mm. This is this is cool, and they're like, "Well, yeah, you keep it at your house, Fred, because we we don't want to get caught with it." I was like, "Oh, look, I'll yeah, keep it safe. I'll don't keep... you worry." <laughs> <laughs> but now, I mean, you could be any age, really, and type in porn. Yeah. You could accidentally, you know, fall into a porn rabbit hole. Type in something. You know, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, Horrific. I parental controls. But what I'm saying is, it's yeah. very easy to access. Yeah, porn. They, they, I certainly wouldn't think that parental controls would be that easy especially given that like the parents are probably in their in their 30s or 40s so not as well schooled mm. as someone who's been born into a cyber age like oh they've put a parental control on actually yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's gone yeah. and how can you could probably google how to yeah how absolutely. to get round parental controls and it'll be well like this yeah right, this sweet. button then this button and then now give you, me some sweet pornographic you images. have everything you want which is not a good thing yeah. when you have it in abundance and it's as is as damaging as as pornography is i think it's pretty yeah. pretty horrendous i think yeah well i actually have a quite a unique perspective on how porn can be destructive um, because you know shock horror I have watched porn before you dirty bastard I know sorry uh, have you not yeah no I have oh, well you dirty bastard yeah yeah, yeah. pair of dirty bastards aren't we yeah yeah um, but I used to watch porn regularly you know mm. like between four times a week and mm. two times a day wow yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I, but again I thought it was normal because it's something that's not taboo because you do it behind closed doors you mm. assume that everyone else is doing it and it's something you don't talk about like oh what porn are you into you know like yeah. it's not something that you share over over yeah. a conversation and then i had the very unique uh opportunity mm. to go on like a an 18 month porn hiatus mm. after my injury because my you know sexual function was impaired mm. and if i can use the analogy of like you know what's the point in and rubbing a champagne bottle if you're not going to get the cork off. Mm. If you rub a champagne bottle, you probably won't open it either. Yeah, well, you know. Shake it. Shake it would be far, <laughs> Shake more, it. far more effective. Well, you know, yeah. Well, you know, you can furious... Shake it and warm it up. Then the, that cork will pop right off. Well, you know, having a spinal cord injury, you can shake it as much as you like mm. and that cork isn't coming off. So no way. So you lose interest in porn quite quite quickly, mm. which, is, which is great. And I hadn't really noticed how porn was affecting me until mm. I'd stopped watching it. And also, um, I also wanted to go into about like intimacy as well. Like when you have, uh, again, if you can't get the cork off the bottle, mm. the emphasis during you know, intimate encounters, uh, sex, <laughs> mm. uh, is, is, is wonderful. It's, it's even deeper mm. because you can just, 
I don't know, you know, like there's no... Yeah, you've not got a one-track mind, one-trick pony, aiming for the goal and nothing else. Exactly, exactly. Mm. But I want to come back to that. But but my point is, so after 18 months and a little bit of healing and some... um, (laughs) It's it's embarrassing to talk about, but I actually made a whole YouTube video about it when I went to see a doctor uh, Mm. about fertility. And Mm. she gave me some advice on how, you know, I could um, get the cork off the... Mm. champagne and she handed you a bottle opener did you yeah and mm. uh so once i i figured out how to how to you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Un- uncork the bottle <laughs> you know i was like whoa hey fucking hell yeah this is good i've missed this yeah and uh and so anyway long story short i started to watch porn again mm. and um it wasn't until i started watching porn again i realized how it affected my brain chemistry how it affected my the way i objectified women I would I would mm. look at women and I'd be like sexualizing them and I'd be like these these are my friends this is mm. what am I doing like this mm. is unhealthy and again it's embarrassing to talk about but the reason I'm opening up because not a lot of people get you know an involuntary 18 month porn hiatus and what mm. I used to think was normal behavior well I'm just a man you know I've got testosterone of course mm. I'm going to look at cleavages and bums mm. and think about inappropriate thoughts it's not normal if you stop looking at pornographic images mm that goes away and it's mm. yeah and again I was just like oh fuck like this is really mm. dark and uh, it highlighted the you know just again mm. the, the change mm. and the reason I say this is because a lot of young men these days and women uh, are looking at porn from an earlier and earlier and earlier yeah. age yeah. and they are sexualizing women and when you know and we had a great conversation the other day about sex education mm. and about the sex education we received was mainly not getting pregnant information. Mm. It was nothing to do with, you know, intimacy, romance, you mm. know, eye contact, mm. you know, sensual pleasure, you mm. know, mutual pleasure. Mm-hmm. And now young boys are getting their in, their sex education from porn. Mm. And that's very unhealthy. Mm. You know, like, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, you took it out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking that uh, it just reminded me actually of a, a, um, a friend of mine called Freddie as well. Um, hey, years ago, he cool name. he um, he mentioned to me that he he didn't watch porn, and uh, and that was the first time I can remember thinking like oh, like that someone had like presented that idea to me. He was like oh, it's a terrible idea, and I was like oh, okay, tell me more. And then that after being you know invited to think that way I did start thinking about it more and more and was like well yeah it's not it's it does it does change the way you you operate and change the way you feel and yeah like you say if you if you're if you're lucky when you're at school you got you know an hour between an hour and 10 hours sex education and it was it was uh it was functionality there was no there yeah. was no information there was no you know guidance as to like oh actually this is how you you know you share a wonderful intimate time with someone mm. and yes you can procreate if that's the case but basically you know wear this rubber and and don't do it if you can so then yeah teenage teenage boys majoritively let's let's be honest are then and then left with this 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 gap of like okay so if i do that if i put the penis in the vagina and it ejaculates i might make this girl pregnant and that that's that uh, and then the next thing, next thing they see, is is probably porn, and it's yeah. and it's horrific. It's it like it's awful. How could anyone expect to, you know, learn anything from porn when basically the the, the vast majority of it is 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 men, you know, 
treating women like like a like an object completely yeah, like exactly. you know just a just a hole to shoot in and as it's, far as you can understand yeah. they're just getting you know rattled and and pinned to a wall or whatever and it's uh, and and they're the woman's just left lying they're like uh, 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 and yeah. it's not um you know it's not a pleasant interaction for for at least 50% of the people involved yeah exactly so normally in porn it is focused on the man's pleasure the man mm. is is being pleasured and the woman is being thrown around and mm. you know jack hammered into next week and mm. it's not exactly you know and, and young boys see that and they're like oh mm. well that that must be how it's done mm. and then when you know that's not reciprocated then you're like oh well why mm. then they obviously think there's something wrong with the woman well then why you know and then there's pressure on the woman and mm. i just think it feels very unhealthy you mm. know to to have that as as sex education porn you know and and porn can be very dark you know it's mm. in fact i watched an amazing documentary on netflix <laughs> an amazing porn video <laughs> Yeah, if you, yeah, yeah, no. It was a documentary on on Netflix <laughs> that was uh, it was called Hot Girls Wanted, mm. and I've often wondered, you know, um, when I was watching porn because I definitely don't watch porn anymore. Mm. I've taken a back seat. I still, you know, enjoy champagne, mm. but I just use my imagination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coax the cork off. <laughs> oh God! Enough of the analogies. Yeah, um, you're a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and the 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 documentary Hot Girls Wanted was how mm. girls get in to the porn industry because I've often thought it was amazing how many different young girls are there in porn. I mean, this is like mm. it seems like an endless stream of of women, and mm. when you you know peek behind the curtain, you know when you see behind this the, the veil it's very dark and you re- mm. you, you realise why there are so many young women doing porn and it's because mm. it's sold to them like very romantically like oh you know do you want to earn $800 an hour mm. you know like do you want to get flown to Florida and stay mm. in a hotel and mm. and they're like yeah and there's other girls doing it as well but then you realise that the, the average length of a porn star's career is one month and mm. if you're good at it or you can stomach it, it's three months. Mm. And that's why there is an endless stream of young girls, because after one month, they're like, this is, this is shit. Mm. Like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And, yeah. you know, and then it's, you do, and once you've kind of lost your innocence, mm. you've lost your appeal, you know, because mm. the innocence is real. They are, you know, mm. and it's, it's very sad. It's very sad. And it made me look at porn in a very different way or, or mm. not, look, not at look at porn. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess if um, if teenagers, adolescents don't get their education from pornography and they don't get it from from school, where where is one supposed to learn? You know how how to make love? Essentially, I guess. I mean, it's a it's definitely a bold parent that sits down and has that conversation with their yeah. child, like, "Oh, this is how I like your father to touch me." Like, whoa. <laughs> Nah, I don't know. Many kids are gonna sit around long for that conversation. Exactly. And vice versa. Maybe it'd be easier for a father talking to us. No, even that. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is how your mother likes to. Do. Ah, Dad, <laughs> please no. So who you know who is to take it on when you when you got your science teacher standing up in the front of the class pointing out you know the ovaries and you know the the penis and the urethra. Yeah. There's no intimacy and emotion and you know pleasure giving and reciprocal anything there yeah 
you're you're between a rock and a hard place as far as I can see it. And then you know you you type in a few few choice words in uh, mm-hmm. in Tube Galore or Pornhub or whatever, and, yeah. and then you're flooded with violent, aggressive. Yeah, I mean exactly. Like, what do you normally, you know, how do you learn how to do stuff these days? You say, oh, I'll Google it. Google like you know how to have sex. Mm, you know. Yeah, you're not going to find many uh, many videos. I can actually remember. Uh, I've got an interesting anecdote. I can remember uh, wanting to learn more about that, and I, I I typed something into Google that was geared more towards a, a learning process. Like yeah. I wanted to understand like the the female body a bit more, and obviously I was just like flooded with porn again and mm. again. I did I did manage to find something eventually, which was actually informative and educational. It wasn't sexualized. It was just like telling me about like um, you know the female genitalia and you know the the wares and the woos and do you mind if I don't? And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, but one of the things that was mentioned during during this informative video was like some orgasms have been known to be as pleasurable as a hit of heroin <laughs> and I, it stuck with me for so long and I was like I was like pause the video I was like what so you're telling me if I learn to do it as well as I possibly can to someone as well as they possibly can it can go as well as it might be as good as heroin. I was like, oh, I need to get myself some heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible analogy. Terrible analogy. But uh, on the subject of uh, substances, actually, I was thinking about how many people, uh, you know, get intimate with each other for the first time sober. Mm, You know, like how many people use alcohol as the social lubricant that's a terrible sorry (laughs) (laughs) Uh, excuse the pun excuse the pun but yeah yeah, the you know you do need to lubricate the social yeah I completely agree and I had that experience myself um, with a previous sexual partner and I, uh, the, the first time we had sex we were sober and I didn't think anything of it at the time until we started engaging in that you mm. know in the act of love and we were like, I was like whoa I've never done this mm. before like explored someone's body for the first time stone cold sober and I was really like, I th- we stopped and spoke about it. I was like, this is the first time I've ever done this. And it was the same same for them as well. And it was a very strange feeling. Mm. It, w- it was good. It was nice. But um, it was weird that it was it was a flag for me. Like, yeah. oh, whoa, 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 this is a new territory. Because when you have a new sexual partner, you are riddled with nerves and anxiety yeah. of like, oh, do they like me? Do I like them? Is yeah. this going to go well? Am I big enough? Yeah. Are they small yeah. enough? Is- oh, cool. Please yeah. don't go away. God. <laughs> you were there just a minute ago. God. Exactly. It's the booze. Uh, oh, I've just drunk too much, you know it. Yeah. That never happens. Risky. Risky business. The whole thing is, you know, just just riddled with possible pitfalls. And and yeah. I think, you know, you, you need or you feel like you need alcohol in order to bridge that gap. To yeah. just feel a bit more confident and feel a bit more inhibited to uh, to, to perform well. Exactly. But, you know, it's not necessary. Mm. But to have that, you know, who who is that enlightened and switched on to be like, oh, you know, let's, you know, oh, should we have a glass of wine first? You mm. know, like it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But usually it's like, you know, five Jaeger bombs and, you know, like, mm. snogging yeah, outside yeah, yeah. a nightclub and it's just kind of... Yeah, I don't know. There is a, it's very, very common for people to mm. have sex for the first time while inebriated yeah. like quite severely um, I th- yeah and I think so it's not cool man 
No, 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 no. And, and I, I think once you, once you realise that that is like a common practice, it's, it's pretty great to, to get over that because you, you don't want to be entering into that kind of act, just not really knowing who you are or where you're putting stuff. And I find if you, if you have a social engagement, uh, sorry, a sexual engagement with someone, and then in the morning. Like you, you realise that like you mm. both hung over. You both didn't yeah. really, like, and you've got this unsureness mm. that just remains in the room. Like, oh, were they too drunk? Do they regret the situation? Yeah, you know, have they made what they feel to be a bad choice? Have I made what I feel to be a bad choice? Because you didn't act on how you honestly, mm. honestly feel. And when obviously when you have, you know, when you share like a sober, a sober sexual engagement. You're you're both like yeah. fully aware, and you're like, present, you know, yeah, with like each other. I want to do this. They want to do this. We're like fully present and engaged in this, and then you wake up just you know, feeling nothing other than you know a wonderful sense of comfort and satisfaction. You're not yeah. like, oh, was that a mistake? Well, no, of course not. I had my head fully screwed on my shoulders last night when I decided to yeah. act. Yeah, so it's really weird because you've spoken about waking up with a hangover as well and being like, oh God, you know, if, if I didn't know I'd drunk last night, I'd take myself to the doctor. So imagine two people waking up hungover and being like, oh God, did we have sex? God, what was, mm. what was it like? You know, do you even remember it? Did we use protection? It's just so, yeah. yeah, so many things that go on top of that. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Well, that's good. That's a, that's an interesting, interesting perspective. I listened to someone recently who was... Uh, who is putting forward the idea that imagine if we could take all of the people uh, in the world that are involved in the pornographic industry and just get them to do something else, anything else, road cleaners, shipbuilders, whatever, yeah. you know, shop assistants, I don't know. But like, basically there is, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, their time, their energy, their money that is all going in to this industry. And this industry doesn't deliver anything. This industry delivers, you know, chubby Malcolm hunched over his computer, wanking into a flannel. <laughs> so, like, that's the that's the consumer, and that's what the consumer is bringing back into the world. Like, the energy that is put in is just not, mm. you know, the juice isn't fucking worth the squeeze. I know, man. You, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, all of their time and effort, and it, you know, all you get is a wanker. Yeah. And it's... if all of those people could just stop. And just do something else like, hey, mate, yeah, I know you are a good cameraman, but actually I'm going to get you, you're going to take photos of, you know, flowers now. Yeah, yeah. Or, and, you know, yeah. I mean, it's probably much less lucrative to take money, take pictures of flowers. But I think it's it's money, man. Like the, 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 the thing that keeps the cogs turning is money and people's endless desire. Like mm. I've often thought that if you stopped making porn tomorrow, you could still never watch the same porn mm. video again mm. in your entire life. There's mm. There's an enormous back catalogue of enough porn there's enough mm. porn there doesn't mm. need to be anymore well yeah but uh, what do you think about you know freedom of freedom of speech with this like can you what would happen if you took all the porn away because it's a bad thing um, would you would you disagree or agree with that I uh, freedom of expression <laughs> I don't think you could take the porn away could you take the porn away I don't know don't know. Maybe it would be good. Maybe it would be great. Maybe there'd be a lot less sexual abuse. Maybe there'd be a lot less rape. You know, it could be really, really great. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that would be controversial, and for sure, and certainly people wouldn't give up that freedom. Very... Well, wouldn't they? Like, well, they how would, many they people wouldn't... are going to attend the march? 
Like, you know, <laughs> no porn. Like, you know, we want our porn, but do we want it now? All the time. Like, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be happy to be seen on the news in that much, would you? I suppose, yeah, you make a really good point, man. I've never I've never thought about it like that. But again, I I think people should have the freedom to do what they want and that is mm. look at porn. I don't think you can expect I don't think people should be policed. But you do make a great point if, if I don't think people should be policed. The porn police. You I don't think you can have porn police. I think you well, definitely can. Yeah, I mean you know, there's some very questionable categories that yeah. one can one can look up. You've made me question my own morals now about freedom mm. of expression and freedom mm. of speech. Because, yeah, maybe porn police would be quite good because there's some really dark stuff mm. um, that shouldn't... That's only dark from your perspective. There's a whole demographic that don't think that's dark. They think it's great. Mm. Yeah, I know. There mm. was uh, That documentary is quite disturbing, actually. I, I mm. urge anyone to, to watch it and... Mm. The Hot Girls Wanted Yeah, one. Hot yeah. Girls Wanted mm. as well. And Childhood 2.0, the very, yeah, yeah. very enlightened. If you're looking to be disturbed, watch them Yeah. in succession. Absolutely. Well, I don't know the answer to that question, but I, another disturb. I wanted to end on a quote, actually. We're sort of coming towards the end now. But um, in regard of what we were talking about, I mean, I'm really sorry, guys. I know you, you, usually this is quite a light-hearted um, podcast where we talked about some serious topics here. I... Might end on a joke to mm. keep the keep keep the mood light. But before I, I wanted to end on this quote. If you're familiar with the work of George Orwell and Aldous Huxley, um, if you're not, then you uneducated heathens do some. Well, they you read a book. 1984 and the island. Aldous Huxley Huxley was part of the yeah. LSD movement, and uh, George Orwell did some. Did some stark predicting in 1984. I'm sure lots of people. Absolutely, and uh, Brave New World as well, which was great. But Mm. um, anyway, so talking about a post-truth world, I'd like to read this quote to you. What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much that we would be reduced to passivity. And egotism. That rings true, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared that the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared we would become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture. As Huxley remarked in Brave New World Revisited, the civil libertarians and rationalists who were ever on the alert to oppose tyranny failed to take into account man's almost infinite appetite for distractions mm. and yeah I mean that's quite poignant isn't it yeah well we're already there aren't we pretty much we're heading towards a pretty dystopian future mm. and again that's why I said I'm pretty grateful to have not grown up with the internet and it's undeniable that the internet is an enormously cool tool I mean we're using it right now to broadcast our voices into your ears mm. but a lot of things can be broadcast and yeah Anyway, I hope this podcast has given you guys something to think about. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap it up? No, I'd like to hear a joke. Okay, brilliant. Well, I do like to leave the audience feeling nourished, so here's a joke for you. Um, it actually occurred to me because of because of you know we're English and we live in France, mm. and you know because of Brexit, you so know you, you made this joke up. Yeah, where, where do we stand? And uh, so I I was pondering the other day if you're if you're English when you're in the toilet. And you're English when you come out of the toilet. Mm. What are you when you're in the toilet? You're English. European.
<laughs> very nice European very nice. <laughs> yeah there you go perfect you're going to give me a bit more of a curtsy laugh than that pal oh that was a laugh you want to encourage the audience you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to read it again no no that's it you've ruined it thanks pal oh. anyway um, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Apes on Tape I did laugh <laughs> I, laughed at, I laughed an honest amount well I wanted a dishonest amount oh. <laughs> ah, there you go. You're a peeing. You're a peeing. Nice. You're a peeing. Yeah. Um, anyway, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I can't Stop believe it. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. you <laughs> stop it. You're making me laugh now. Do you want to? Do you want to wrap it up? No, 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 no. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Apes on Tape Podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Apes on Tape Podcast. Send us a message. Send us um, pictures of your genitalia. Oh, my goodness. What the <laughs> hell? Where did the hell did that come from? That was a funny thing. Yeah. Uh, all right. Lots of love, guys. Thanks again. And um, see you next time. Peace. Bye. <laughs>